The first lesson comes to us today from the book of Daniel. I had to look. It's actually all of chapter (laughs) 3. So hang in there. There's a lot of words. Uh, The golden image. King Nebuchadnezzar made a golden statue whose height was 60 cubits and whose width was 6 cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent for the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to assemble and come to the dedication of the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. So the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces assembled for this dedication of the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. When they were standing before the statue that Nebuchadnezzar had set up, the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, drum, and entire musical ensemble, you are to fall down and worship the golden statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the drum, and entire musical ensemble, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Accordingly, at this time, certain Chaldeans came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, drum, and entire musical ensemble (laughs) shall fall down and worship the golden statue. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These pay no heed to you, O king, They do not serve your gods, and they do not worship the golden statue that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought in. So they brought those men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods, and you do not worship the golden statue I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound... Of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the drum, and entire musical ensemble to fall down and worship the statue that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to present a defense to you in this matter. If our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire and out of your hand, O king, let him deliver us. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods and we will not worship the golden statue that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was so filled with rage against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face was distorted. He ordered the furnace heated up seven times more than was customary and ordered some of the strongest guards in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. So the men were bound, still wearing their tunics, their trousers, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. 
Because the king's command was urgent and the furnace was so overheated, the raging flames killed the men who lifted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But the three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the furnace of blazing fire. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up quickly. He said to his counselors, Was it not three men that we threw bound into the fire? They answered the king, True, O king, he replied, but I see four men unbound walking in the middle of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the fourth has the appearance of a god. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of blazing fire and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire, and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their tunics were not harmed, and not even the smell of fire came from them. Nebuchadnezzar said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. They disobeyed the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. This is the word of the Lord. As we dig in now to this good word from the Lord and consider what he has in store for us today, I want to take a moment and uh, maybe have a little discussion amongst yourselves as we review what God has done in the first two chapters among us in this book. And to help us get there uh, and think about those first two chapters, I want to uh, ask you this question. And I want you to discuss it if someone's sitting near you for just a moment. It's what one of my kids called uh, the question of our generation, she said. In fact, it was a question that uh, was debated in our home earlier this summer. And then again, when we were at camp with folks at the camp. And then uh, I bring it to you now. uh, And you can decide this far-reaching debate, all right? Is a hot dog a sandwich? All right, so you have to talk about it for a moment. Many say yes, no. There's a third option too, I didn't know until recently. Some people call it a taco. Right? So what do you think? Is it a taco? Is it a sandwich? Is it something else? I hear, I hear all answers out there. But yes, someone said yes. The definitions uh, uh, vary when it comes to a hot dog, right? But the truth is, maybe not so much with this question, but definitions when it comes down to it matter. What defines us matters. And we see that in the first two chapters of the book of Daniel, when Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Daniel included, had their names changed. If I told you about uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah in the furnace, you'd say, what? I thought that was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so the 
reality is it's because their names were changed. And if you recall from chapter 1 and then again chapter 2, we talked about it, trying to redefine who they are and whose they are. But they did something different in those first couple of chapters. And they're doing it again here in chapter 3. They refuse to be redefined. Instead, as we learned in chapter 1, they resolved. They resolved to follow the one true God. And they focused not on a statue of false gods, but on something much more real. And if you'll excuse the play on words, then, then they were able to be resilient and not wrecked when they went into the fire. Because they are the redeemed people of God. And so we seek to be the same resilient people. Not redefined, but resolved. Redefinitions are aplenty today. In fact, uh, when my wife introduced me to this book, Christianity and Liberalism, I first might have thought it was written in 2023, but instead it was written in 1923, where the author is challenging the Christian church who have at the time were redefining terms of our faith with different meanings. And they called the church back to the truth of God's word, to the, what the word says with not redefining it, but coming to what it really means. To focus on what is real. And what is real, right here in the book of Daniel, is history. Jehoiakim, you might remember as part of our little review here, was the king of Israel at the time that God's people were exiled and then later when Jerusalem was defeated and Jehoiakim acquiesced to King Nebuchadnezzar. And so they found this ration tablet in Babylon. This is not from the Bible. This is from Babylonian history of that which they would give Jehoiakim and his people. For example, King Jehoiakim were granted 32 pints or 15 liters of sesame oil. And his sons were given only 8 point, uh, pints and so on and for, so forth. We get details of the exile in history. The point is, as we discover in the Bible, we see affirmed in the evidence of history, that what we're reading about here really happened. And what really happened to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah is that in Babylon, they were attempting to redefine them. And so, were they redefining them in something real? something false. And so he leads us to ask the question then, well, what is real? What is real? Well, my wife Joy and I were uh, blessed to be invited by members of our congregation to a lecture by uh, classical educator Joshua Gibbs uh, earlier this summer. And he posed uh, questions about 
What is Real in, in his recent book, Loving What Lasts. And he argues that what is real is what lasts. For example, and this is no debate on a style of music, he points out that Beyonce may be on the top of the charts this decade, but Bach will likely win out this century. And so what makes something a classic or real, he argues, will last. Now this is an analogy not about our taste in music, but asking the question, what will last? That is what is real. And what we discover in the Bible today, that what is real often requires going through the furnace. And Gibbs will use the analogy of the Velveteen Rabbit. That often we're attracted to those mechanical toys, those things that uh, we can touch and see and experience right away, but that what really lasts is often long-suffering. Nebuchadnezzar would build an image an image of gold, maybe taking that dream he had in the previous chapter a little too far. And he was inviting the people in Babylon not to stop worshiping their gods like the Jews, but just telling them, just add a few more. Just add a few more. And come to this temple, come to this statue, and worship just a few more. Now, lest we think, oh, I would never fall prey to that. Uh, how, who could you, how could you possibly fall prey to worshiping an idol like that? Well, we do it all the time. We add just a little bit more to our Christian faith. We include the things that we have control over, what we experience, what we, other people see. So when bad things happen... We fall away from our faith because what we've been trusting in is what we have in control instead of what God has really done and who Jesus really is. For example, we say, well, God, I've been coming to church regularly or, or I've, I've been doing good things. So bad things shouldn't happen to me, right? I shouldn't have to go through the fiery furnace. And when that happens, we sometimes fall away from God because we've made an addition to our faith. We've actually created a new religion based on our works instead of God's. What he says to us is, what will you stake your life on? Notice what Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, stake their life on. They stake their life on, not on these additions, but on the one true God. And when they are resolved to do that, Nebuchadnezzar, you read in verse 14, he finds out that they won't worship 
his gods, or maybe better understood, the culture and beliefs of his day, his countenance changed. He becomes fiery mad. Notice that these three servants of God, their countenance doesn't change. It's steady. Speaking the truth with resilience, not with hate or malice, but with love, even respect. They were pressured, as one pastor put it, with pluralism. He's, remember, asking them not to give up their gods, just to add a few more. And that, as we know from studying the book of Galatians and elsewhere in the scriptures then, is no gospel at all when we add or subtract from the scriptures. So I'll ask you again, what do you stake your life on? Notice what they stuck, uh, stood for and staked their lives on. When we're in the furnace, what will we lean on? Will it be what we have done or what God has done? Now look, if you've experienced suffering and wondered, what is God doing here? How can you let this happen to me, God? Then you're normal. Because all of us ask that question when we're walking through that. But let's be sure that what we stake our lives on in those moments is not what we've added, but the fact that it's in fact what God has done. Now those difficult questions are right there in the Bible. The Psalms are plentiful of cries out to God all the time. Lord, when are you going to bring me relief? Help me. And so you're in good company when you talk to the Lord like that. When you're resolved to seek Him. But when we leave God because bad things happen, it's because we've adopted this, even in the midst of our pain, a religion of addition. But if in the fire we remember, however... That God does answer our prayer and he will answer our prayer. And as my family experienced this last couple of weeks, sometimes God will answer that prayer on this side of heaven and sometimes on the next. But he promises, and notice what we see here in Daniel 3, to be with us. Right there in the fiery furnace, there was a fourth figure there. We'll talk about him in just a moment. But maybe you're exhausted today. Maybe you wonder, how can I possibly endure? Maybe you wonder how I could even confess like they did as they read, uh, it was read for us today. When they said, but even if he doesn't save us, we will remain faithful. Or as one translation put it, but even if, but even if he doesn't, will remain faithful because their faith was not dependent upon what happened to them, but on who God was. But if you wonder about that, and wonder if you have the strength for that, I'll tell you, even there, you're in good company. Scholars have wrestled with these two verses in chapter 3 and verses 17 and 18. And 
Uh, I don't mean for you to have to squint and look at these different translations. I only just show you that there's different translations of these verses. And so when you go home this week and study Daniel chapter 3, you won't be surprised when you encounter that in chapter uh, chapter 3, verse 17, it says, If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. Some translations, well, one outlier says, If God is able. Verse 18, some say, but if not, or but even if it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods. They all agree there that these three servants continued no matter what. So some Hebrew grammar scholars have wondered, does it actually mean here, is it better translated to say that they were wondering if God could do this or if he would do this? And when you read the whole context of the book of Daniel, I think it becomes clear that these servants believed God could do this. And so it is the better translation to say that. But they didn't know if God would fireproof their bodies. But what he'd done in the meantime is fireproof them spiritually. That they could be resilient even in the midst of this, as we see this art by John August Swanson depicting it. Not because of what was going to or not going to happen to them, but because of God and who he was and whose they were and who was with them. And this is why the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. And you say, wait, time out. I thought we were just in the furnace. How do we get to the resurrection, right? Remember, Daniel and his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, are just foreshadows. While their lives are real and it's a real history, they are forerunners. They are foreshadows to the great forerunner of our faith, Christ Jesus who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. He didn't just go into the fiery furnace, and unlike these three, he actually died. But that was not the end of the story. He rose again three days later. Notice that these three servants foreshadowed that hope. But even if God doesn't do this, they knew the God who gives them hope. And if Jesus rose from the dead, then whatever we face, we can say with these servants, but even if. But even if God doesn't do this now, I will resolve not to be redefined, but to be resilient because of what Christ has done. And notice where God is in the midst of all of this. He is with them in the furnace. He is with us, with you, in the furnace that you're facing right now. He is with you. Where is God in your daily life? With you. Where is God in the brokenness and heartache? With you. Where is God when you mess up big time and seek Him again, He's coming after you for redemption and repentance. 
Pastor Timothy Keller said this about this text, that God may or can rescue from death, but God will always rescue through death. In the hope of the resurrection. This is where we stake our lives. These servants, before they were bodily fireproofed, they were already spiritually fireproofed. That's how we can be resilient. We can love what lasts, what is real. To stake our lives on what is real, real history, the real resurrection. Those early disciples, they had firsthand knowledge of whether or not Jesus rose from the dead or not. Scholars will say, or one scholar said, you know, sometimes people will stake their lives and give up their lives for a lie. But no one will give up their lives for something they know is a lie. Those early disciples had firsthand knowledge to know whether or not Jesus really did rise from the dead. They saw him on the cross. And they would see him alive again or not. And so what did they stake their lives on? Yeah, they did see him. He is alive. That fourth person in the furnace called the theophany in the Old Testament or the presence of the pre-incarnate Christ. Right there in the furnace, Jesus is with you. His resurrection changes everything. Stake your life on what is real. Don't let you be redefined by the culture and a world around you like Nebuchadnezzar attempted to do for these servants. Or our culture this year or a hundred years before or a hundred years from now to redefine us from the one true faith in Christ. Even when they get enraged and it's seven times hotter, we can still stand firm with respect and love and truth and know that death ultimately has been defeated. So friends, are you staking your life on this, the truth, the resurrection of Christ? When life for you is in the furnace, remember these words of the prophet Isaiah, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. Let us not be redefined, but rather resilient. Because we are the redeemed people of God. And where is He when we're in the furnace? Our God who went to the cross is with us. Amen.